0: everyone, welcome back. This is Julie Bates with the podcast Training the Pointing Labrador. episode number 231. And in today's episode, I got uh, a request from someone and I you know I read it and my answer to him was he said he suggested that I put out something on the use of the electric collar because he assumed I would have a, uh, a thoughtful approach to that thank you I take that as a compliment and my response was oh no I've already done that Uh, and I'll send it to you and I'm looking and (laughs) looking and I it's buried in there somewhere Um, and I need to rename these things so it's easier to find stuff I guess but anyway so I think that I will because I couldn't find it and because it's an extremely important topic um, I think I'll do it again and it's on the use of the electric collar now there are a lot of misconceptions, preconceptions, very accurate conceptions about the electric collar. So before anybody just turns us off, cause well, I hate that, I won't even listen to this. You know, please do, uh, because everything I'm talking about is about for the betterment of the animal. And no, electricity is not for the betterment of an animal. But the ability to call your dog and have them believe that they can have to come no matter what not because they have a collar on But because of the way you've trained them Can be and is a life-saving thing and so that's always why I encourage people to at least Understand how properly used this thing factors into the work that we do with our dogs my very first time Seeing the electric collar now. I had been as a kid I had competed in akc i had done all the obedience stuff and the show dog stuff and and i had done all of that and uh you know trained all the obedience stuff so of course i you know when i when i it was when i graduated from college and my dad was had hooked up with some field trailers in albuquerque and he goes you gotta you gotta come see this you're gonna you know because i've always been just a dog fanatic so i went out one day and i watched uh, these field trials down there. There's a national champion down there, and there's some good dogs. It's not a big field trial state, obviously. And I, you know, I was, when I watched what the dogs were doing, the passion that they had for this work and how much they loved it. I mean, it was like a, I'd ne- it was like a drug addict almost, how much they loved this. I found that very compelling um, compared to, say, you know, the obedience work, which is fun, they do it. Uh, and all that, but it's, I'd never seen that passion. Well, like border collies and Australian shepherds and the, and the cat, all of those dogs that are doing the Malamois you know, they have great passion for what they're doing too. I, I find that extraordinarily compelling. So I started, you know, that's where I started. I spent an, an entire year throwing birds for these guys every weekend because I was working uh, at the Department of Energy down in Albuquerque. And I went out just... for a whole year and just watched and learned and then then I got a dog and got started in all that stuff myself but not everybody there was uh, excellent with the electric collar and I saw things (laughs) with the electric collar and I just remember going man if that's what you got to do I will never be able to do this because the way it was being used I really didn't understand because I didn't know about this kind of training that well it just seemed inherently wrong to me you know to have a dog kind of get a little bit brutalized because they did something wrong so fortunately over the years I've gotten to learn from some very good people I've also learned I've learned good ideas and I've learned no don't ever do that I have you know I've, I've been able to see a lot of it which is why I feel very comfortable talking about using the electric collar But so that's what we're talking about and I want to at least give my perspective, my experience and my view on this. It took me quite a while to become comfortable and I came on in the days of early 80s, you know, the A170 long range with a big antenna and the dog's collar had an antenna and it looked pretty bad for people looking over there, you know, just looked like you had like we're doing robot things to your dog. Of course, now that's a, everything is the technology is much better and it doesn't look so horrible. And there's also you only had one setting back then, you know, it was either low five set. You had five plugs you could put in. And so you just were stuck with with one. And if you needed less or more or whatever, you didn't have that option. So uh, the way it is now, much, much better, much, much better. But it's important that people understand what the purpose of this thing is. Now, depending upon whom you learn this from, you may learn that it is a punishment. You know, if you read a lot of the stuff that comes with collars, they got trash breaking, and they've got bark breaking, and they've got all these things. So when a dog, you know, commits whatever sin it is, then the heavens rain down on them, and then they learn not to commit that sin again. And I don't agree, and I have never never had to do that. Uh, So for me, that is not the purpose of that. A lot of that is the reason for that is because I am not that kind of person. I think if I had been, you know, a very kind of aggressive and everything is very black and white, and if you mess up, you get punished, I would probably train that way. Um, But fortunately, (laughs) I'm not. So I, I thought about it quite a bit more. And a lot of times, I'll tell you, the collar itself, I'm just going to make some generalizations about the collar itself. I've trained people's dogs um, with the electric collar. I've only had two people ever say in 30 years, tell me, okay, uh, do not use the electric collar with my dog. I will not use that. Don't use it. Well, I always put it on, said, all right, but I'm going to still have them wear it. So it was part of the uniform so that if they ever changed their mind, it would be an easy transition. And both of them changed their mind after about three or four months and then we could easily transition into a, a new form of, of training enforcement and it worked really well so in 30 years people always went okay I see the point point," and it's not something to be afraid of but a lot of people when I've trained their dogs and then they come out and and I've shown them that I've shown them the use of the collar it's like I gave them the magic wand of power because it's misunderstood And so their dog, you know, understands collar pressure and doesn't get upset by it, but golly, they can make it do this and make it do that. And they want to put it on the dog in the house and in the backyard, you know, and it's like, no, this is not the magic wand of power. Um, It is, I know for a lot of people, and it is a lot of times if you read the instructions or the videos that come with your new collar, because they're creating a need for you. So if you... You know if the only way you can get your dog to do certain things or stop doing certain things is with the collar on then you've always got to have a collar and uh, I understand that's business but that is not really the way you have to do it if you really understand so let me go back to what is the fundamental of all of our retriever stuff and most most dog stuff is the fundamental obedience the basic obedience now that doesn't mean I have a heel and sit and here champion. It's not what that means. Maybe you do incidentally because they're very good at that. But that's not the point. The fundamental obedience training. This is very important. to Understand down the road. This electric collar use is to, to teach the dog and then instill within the dog the idea and the response that when you say something It is significant, and they need to respond. Not respond or else I'm going to get you, but you teach them to respond. And the way that you do this is by creating an immediate association. I would say a real short neural path. You create an association that when you say sit, their bottom goes down and stays down. In other words we're done. When I say sit you sit and that's what you do until we decide to do something else. But it, it has to be something that they don't think about. Decide if they feel how they feel about it. I'd really rather go over there than sit. Well if you're going to make me all right. These big long bunch of uh, thought processes. None of those are the thought processes which you will need later on. Either To get your dog to stop on a sit whistle, running a blind at 230 yards when it thinks it's found the bird, you you need the dog to sit, not because you're going to blast it with something, but because you taught when I blow the whistle, your bottom goes down. Similarly, if your dog wants to chase the neighbor cat across the street right while there's a bunch of cars coming, it's really nice to be able to say no here and have them go, oh, called me, I got to get over there. Not because they have a collar on, because they're running around in your front yard. They don't need it, shouldn't need. A trained dog shouldn't need the collar. But they've been taught that when you say something, they need to respond to it. The way you do that isn't through training pressure and punishment. It is by creating that very short neural path between hearing something and executing what they heard. And it needs to be simple, not a 21... Library 21 commands, generally for us Retriever people, it's uh, sit, hear, and can be fetch. Um, but that's mostly it. All the training, all the stuff that goes on, is because of the response to hear and to sit. And you need to create in the very beginning, before you do any kind of stuff, that very short neural path, where they hear the word sit, and then they sit with a sense of urgency, not a sense of fear, a sense of urgency. Oh, sit. Got to sit. Like they're, it's a challenge. It's a fun game. It's kind of like dog chess, you know, and they're playing the game, and they want to get the right move, and so you sit, sit, boom. You, t- you first teach them what all that stuff means by showing them what to do and not letting them do the wrong thing, because now you're teaching them kind of nothing. So you're going to teach sit. So when you say sit, next thing happens is their bottom goes down. And first you teach, right, by pushing, they're pulling up on the leash and pushing down on their bottom. When they get that, when they do understand that, now we're going to install a little bit of a sense of urgency. We're going to put some sit pressure on them. And generally, I did it recently. We were out and I was out with a lady giving a lesson and we went over, got a stick off the Russian olive. So we had a little stick, popped the dog on the bottom with the sit and then a pop. And that was a big deal to this dog. I mean, it was nothing, but it was a, just the idea of that little pop on the bottom. Boom. That, that dog immediately started sitting. And, and then when the lady did it just a little bit, all new to her, um, it's walking along and you can see the dog's just waiting for that sound because They had a phenomenally good response to a very light training pressure, which is ideal. Does this mean you don't have to use an electric collar with that dog? No, it does not. It just means it's going to be easy. So we put a little sit pressure on that dog. And so we began to create that very short neural path between hearing the request and carrying out the request. Because with doing it without thought, it's a conditioned response. And again, like emergency room doctors, like Marines on the front line, they have conditioned responses. They can't go, well, let me see, they're shooting over there, so maybe we should, they can't do that. You know, they've got to have a a conditioned response to a situation and, you know, emergency room doctors and Marines aren't beat and pounded into that response. They are taught and then have it enforced. And reinforced until it becomes installed in their neural paths and they do it without even having to think and that's the same thing we're doing in good dog training. First we teach then we show them what we want then we reinforce we test we find out is the response there if not we go back and we put it in there all with mechanical means. A leash a healing stick. I like the little plastic wiffle bat. Something that means a lot to them that does no damage. Can you do damage to a dog with a healing stick? Yeah, if you pop them in the wrong spot or hit hit them too hard. Don't do that. All we want is that mental impact of, I'm sitting, I'm sitting. And for some dogs, it's a very light touch, just the presence of it. And for some dogs, it's They're like my brother (laughs) and I don't know if there's a big enough stick in the world for him to sit when he was told, figuratively speaking. And there's some dogs like that. So you have to adjust whatever enforcement pressure you have so that it is meaningful to the dog. Yes, all this has something to do with the collar. For one, going through this with basic obedience, with a pop on the bottom for sit or a single jerk on the choke chain, um on the leash, on here, a single jerk at a level that the dog goes, you don't have to jerk me, I'm coming. Then we've put pressure on the dog so that it understands, if I respond, I get no pressure. If I respond, so that way with consistency and, you know, over time, weeks and months and always, they learn when I hear that command, I respond. And they've had training enforcement. And you have to have it. If somebody that's going to say, no, my dog just sits really good all the time. You know, they just do it because they're really smart and they know what I want. and They come every time I call so I don't have to do that. Okay, that's awesome. That's one of the hardest dogs to do this with because they don't have a conditioned response. They're just going, they're smart. They're going, okay, you're calling me, I got to come. That isn't going to work in a field with a thinly uh, a barbed wire fence that's not doesn't have enough separation between strands for a dog to get through and some you shot a pheasant or the goose and it went over the fence and they're gonna go get it because they love this so much you've got to be able to stop them you've got to be able to call them back they never learned if they just never had enforcement pressure and and were had a, developed a conditioned response they never learned how to overcome their passion and respond. They never learn to do that. So when something terribly tempting comes up, okay, they, this is a new, this, they, you don't, you have no neural paths at all, uh, where they go, I have to go because they're like, wow, this is one more important. And they'll run over there and you can lose a dog or have a dog damaged or terrible things can happen. I don't know why anyone would ever do that. I've trained extremely smart dogs. Then it's hard. It's like, I'm going to have to find a way to, to condition this dog, even though they're doing everything I ask. Sometimes, yeah, ha- I mean, there's a, there's a whole nother dog training thing. But you've got to have the conditioned response to save the dog's life and have them take you seriously. And to, con- to create that conditioned response, you have to have put on some training pressure that they understand. That is mechanical that you cannot make a mistake with like you can a collar. So here's where you learn how your dog responds to pressure. Here's how you learn what level of pressure. Light touch, medium touch, you know, holy cow, I don't know if I can do this. This dog is very single-minded and doesn't seem to take me too seriously. There are those dogs too. Here's where you figure that out because... Are, when you're training a dog, you we are training them to respond to the single clear command. That's important for the collar stuff to go well. So once you've done that, and when you do it, like the lady I'm talking about, all of a sudden she got the feel. Wow, I've enforced it a little bit. Everything got better. The heel got better. There was no pulling. You know, everything got better because the dog is suddenly going. I need to attention to you I need to listen and I need to respond so when they do it with the sit which is a very easy thing to teach and enforce and use enforcement pressure that little pop on the bottom or some maybe a jerk upwards on the leash but you put on a training pressure that they don't want to continue to get then they start responding to make the pressure stop key to everything they start responding to make the pressure stop or not be there at all and they can control all of that and here is where you learn how to do that and you learn about your dog the goal ladies and gentlemen is not to be the nicest guy in the world the goal is to be the guy with the dog that lives to be 15 and never never got out of control for you never did that's the goal not to be the nice guy so when you do this, find the level of enforcement pressure that the dog goes, all right, all right I'm cut. you don't need to do that. I'm going to sit or I'm going to come when you call every single time. Don't start any of this stuff. We're still talking about the electric collar. This fundamental obedience, don't do it. Try to get far away. Get the response up close where you can enforce it immediately. And then when you think you've got it and you're doing your obedience, Okay, walk, you know, don't, you only enforce when the dog is not giving you their best effort. So if your dog is giving you their best effort, then stop enforcing. Otherwise, you're just kind of torturing the dog, right? So that's what you do. This is important that you understand this. I always make everybody, I always do this myself. Every dog I ever trained, I go through that entirely. Even though, you know, if anybody could get away with shortcutting and jamming it in, I probably could. I would never do it. Because here's where I learn about the dog. And here's where the dog learns that they control the pressure by responding. That has to be done before you ever turn the power on the electric collar. Now, there's vibrators there on the collar. There's a little buzz thing that makes the little sound. I know there's all that stuff. And so if your goal is just to be a nice guy, you just, well, maybe I can just buzz or vibrate. I'll do that and then they'll understand. Then I can vibrate them when they're 100 yards away from me and they'll understand. Um, I'm going to say you do not um, create a conditioned response 99% of the time with a buzz because there is no... There, we're not driving a short neural path between hearing and executing. We're not. There's no no reason for them to hurry. There's no. You're not creating any sense of urgency. Like ah, I got. I got to respond. So I would say that. Till I don't use it at all. Never have. Um, but I understand when you got to be real quiet, and you don't want to whistle or say something that that buzz. Sometimes with a fully trained dog can keep things quiet and can communicate with them. I get that. At this stage not at all so once you understand your dog their response to pressure you've got quick responses you've created short neural paths you don't have them at a distance you can't translate you can only have a quick response if you are there to ensure the the response and if they're far away from you and they don't respond you can't enforce it so now we're teaching them it's proximity based You only got to listen when you're close to me. (laughs) And then when you're far away, we don't. So don't try to do this mechanical beginning stuff at any distance. The sit and the hear all at your side or within six feet of you. All right. I mean, it's just that simple. So once you've done that, that part's the most important part. If you understand that, all you do with the electric collar, ladies and gentlemen, is come in and replace one enforcement pressure with another that's it so you have to do your upfront work first if you're willing if you're willing you can always put the collar on them and just start right off but then you always have to have the collar on for them to take you seriously and that can be avoided um, absolutely so um, you've, you've done this you've created condition response up close we're going to Replace that little pop on the bottom when they weren't giving us the best response And we're gonna replace that jerk on the choke chain Uh, Not flat collar cuz that's a tug. It's a little jerk a constriction and a release very quickly Not a not a lugging pull. All right, that's enough that teaches them. You'll do all the work so have you we have uh we've taught them that now we're going to replace one thing at a time you don't on day one jump in all right everything's going to be electricity put yourself in the paws of that dog i mean that's a bit much so day one you're going to go out and you might do both you might do a little bit of an enforcement with your healing stick or plastic bat. if yeah just do a little bit of it yes even if they're sitting because they understand sit and when you've taught them and you enforce it even when they are going to are in the process of sitting they understand it you are just in creating more of a sense of urgency so no they don't think like we do so when my dog has given me an okay sit but not great i'll come in with the with my healing stick or whatever and i will enforce and then i'll see if the next one got a little better if it doesn't doesn't i'll come back again make sure that you always have the hear, feel phenomenon going. If you tell them to sit and they sit real slowly, and so you just pop them on the bottom two seconds later with a, the with a healing stick, we have no neuropath at all because too much time passed. So you have to be totally engaged in this the way you're asking your dog. So if you say sit, they need to sit. And, and if they're not, then you are making, you're causing the problem. When they show you they're not going to, they don't have a conditioned response, go back in and begin working and developing it again. This is really important. They say, yeah, it's much easier to get the electricity, start zapping them. Whoo, they just really get going. But again, it, then they go, oh, it's, it's all about electricity. It's all about this. And I, it needs to be, in my opinion, and it's much easier and more humanely done if you do the extra work, and it's because of the relationship between the two of you. That's how you call them off of something when they don't have a collar on later on. So, that's why they sit on a whistle at 250 yards at a dead run with no collar on. Because you whistled. Not because they're terrified, or at least it shouldn't be because they're terrified. So you go out day one with your stick and your transmitter. And don't, you know, transmitters just, don't make a big deal of it. But don't be one of those people, you saw a transmitter everything's different if that happened then somehow you created this obvious association just don't do it they should train every day with a dummy collar on because it's part of the uniform and then the when you're going to start beginning your collar conditioning then you have your transmitter but it's in your hand and all that i sometimes i put it a little bit up my sleeve just so it's not even a thing hey it's not even a thing but you got to know if you have one of those ones where you have to look at it to push the buttons that's going to make it a little bit tough because you got to have it out in front of your face But now you go in there and maybe you get a little bit of it, not as quick as response as you want. So you come in with the healing stick. All right. And then you go a little further. Now, regardless of where they are, you're going to replace that, um, pop on the bottom with a Nick on the collar. Now don't read the collar directions. And don't take somebody's advice, start low and go high, or start high and go go low. No, if you start low and go high, they kind of learn to take it a little bit. So what I'd like to do is maybe start in, depending on what their their deal was, how they responded to the mechanical pressure. You know, if they were kind of regular, then I'll probably start them kind of in the middle setting. And try that. Okay, again on collars. It is not if they verbalize or not. It is not, it, there's, it is, is the response there or not? If you accidentally had it too high and they kind of screeched, all right, don't get out, don't start apologizing and get crazy. Turn it down. Continue like nothing happened. It's like if you accidentally popped him too hard with the healing stick, you know. I, so just continue. Don't let them learn anything Get them out of just dealing with the work that you're doing. So then you, right, you, you if, turn it down. If they didn't respond at all, turn it up a little bit. Find a level of pressure, just like you did with the healing stick and the choke chain, where they go, all right, you don't have to do that again. I'm going to sit. And low is not better. The correct setting is better. We are talking about saving a dog's life, keeping them from running through a fence that there's, they can't get through. Okay, so find the setting. It's not a measure of how good of a person you are. It is a measure of how humane you really want to be to this dog. Let's not have to use any more collar than we absolutely have to. Therefore find the level that works where they go, you don't have to do that again, I'm gonna respond. So on day one and two, you know you just do some sits in there and pretty soon maybe you can get rid to put the healing stick back in your pocket and just you know, Do a few sits and so when you see the dog going, hey, you don't have to do that, I can do this, great. Then maybe on the next day, let's come out with a little bit of a here. And just like that jerk on the chain, right? We're going to, you might do one here, they're out in front of you, you call them to you with a little jerk, right? Man, they came running to you. So do a couple more, do some healing, come back. Now we're going to replace the jerk on the chain with a nick on the collar. The sit should have taught you roughly where you need to be on training level, power level, and then do a little bit of that. So this collar conditioning should take a week or two depending on your confidence level. And it's it's just not very much, but just teach them. It's just like the stick, or it's exactly like the stick or the jerk. Your time, and so when you get comfortable with that, now we can get a little bit better. And I just want to say um, this as well. It's important you understand uh, how this signal travels. All right, So it travels, it, it travels like, like wireless, right? It's through the air. So it travels more rapidly than sound travels. So when you're 18 inches away from your dog, that's not such a big deal. Later on, when your dog is 50 yards from you or 100 yards from you, you have to change the timing of command enforcement. Because if you just, they're 100 yards out and you blow the sit whistle and then nick, like you would if they were right next to you, they're going to get the nick before they hear the sit. Now, that's just wrong. So you have to be aware of this kind of a thing. You also have to be aware, and this is a new guy thing, if you've never done this before, uh, or at least thought about it this much, what happens, people are all in their brains, right? You actually need to be in the dog's brain, but they're all in their brains. And so the, the dog didn't sit, and they're looking at it, and so they just pushed the button. They didn't say anything. They just saw that the dog wasn't doing something, and then they enforced the said. Again, the dog got a bolt of lightning with no reason behind it. To be very fair and humane with this, they should never get the training pressure just like they should never get the healing stick or the jerk on the leash without being told what is being asked. So if you say sit after you nicked them, I don't know, what are they going to, they can't win. They cannot control that. They just have to endure it. So one of the finest things that needs to be understood about use of the collar is they have to hear what you're asking and then they can be enforced, and then they understand it, and the collar is no big deal. So if, in a lot of times what you see people is they're mad, man, they're holding that button down because they're mad. Gosh darn it, like they were wailing on a kid or something. And the dog just learns, like sometimes I'm going to just abuse you a little bit, you know, sometimes just deal with it. Because they will. If you're like that, they're going to do their best to try. But they don't want that. And it's always us who, who did not communicate things clearly. So that's why I always tell everybody, mechanically, you got to get that pop on the bottom, that jerk on the chain that follows immediately after they hear what's going on, what, what's being asked. Then they're enforced. So you really need that with the caller. You have to have them hear your verbal sit, your verbal hear, the whistle for sit or here. They have to hear it and immediately then feel the enforcement again that's because we're creating very short neural paths so they hear the command they execute it and with the collar you've got to be a little bit it's easier when you're just popping on the bottom sit pop right now it's going to be sit push the button the nick button push that's like that if it doesn't again if that doesn't work just like if you pop the dog on the bottom with the healing stick and they go, I don't care. We're going to up the level of pressure. So they do. And it's the same thing on the collar. It's the it's the level at which they go, I'm sitting. You don't have to worry. And then you find out you don't need to keep pushing that button. If you do, then you're either they're not understanding or your level of pressure is not enough that they wish to make it stop. Now, There's a whole lot more in all of this, a whole lot more as you go into the advanced stuff. But if you approach a dog with an electricity this way, where they understand, you take the extra time, the extra time of mechanically making sure that you as the teacher understand how to create this short neural path, understand how much pressure your dog takes to respond, how, how they think about this? Do they try to avoid it? Do they really try to work with you? You know, and again, don't be... Uh, I've watched people when they're learning how to do this and they go, e-, just like with a healing stick, they pop their dog on the bottom and then they reach down to pet them and they're secretly going, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You know, oh, I didn't mean, she's making me do this. Don't do that. You know, it, again, we're, we're going to save the life of this dog. So what we want is that conditioned response. And this is how we get it consistently. And if, you know, if you accidentally had the buttons, the setting on the collar a little bit too high, or you you popped them a little too hard with the, with the stick or whatever it is, don't apologize. Just don't do it again and teach the dog. This is not a big deal. Just work with me. I made a mistake. Let's keep going because the dog will make a mistake. You'll make a mistake. It's the way it is. You just want to stay on even keel. Keep a normal voice. The, the screamers. Electricity and the screamers. Okay, if when you enforce obedience commands, he'll sit here, when you enforce those, you use a voice like I'm using right now, just a conversational tone of voice, but your enforcement is at a level that 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 dog is says, you know, I got to sit, then that calm voice carries all the way to that enforcement. If you get real emotional about it while you're doing this and the voice level goes up when you enforce, then the enforcement is only serious at that elevated voice level because you're creating that association right there. So make sure, and at least I always do this when I do this, I'm just calm as can be because I want no here to carry a lot of weight. I don't want to have to scream it. I don't ever want to scream stuff. I've never been one of those people in an event that when my dog blew up, I'm yelling and screaming at him, you know, I just, just, you know, cause I've never created any association with the yelling and screaming cause I don't want to have to ever yell and scream. I want what I say in this tone of voice to count. And it is the enforcement of that that makes that count, not the decibel level. So remember that. And then when you get in with the collar. So there's a lot more to the collar usage and stuff like this. But it's real important if you go in this way, then you don't push that button very often. And you don't have to have it at a super low, super high level. You find out where that dog's sensitivity level is and you stay roughly there. If it's not working, turn it up a little bit. If that's too much, turn it down just a little bit. Don't get all riled up about that and then your, your dog won't either find a good setting as the collar charge goes down you may have to change your setting you know because maybe the power level is lower and you're not going to get quite the signal and you also have to make sure your timing is good they need to hear then feel the enforcement so when you approach everything like that the collar is a useful tool it's a friend now you're going to eventually wind up extending it outward but you can't possibly extend it outward until it's absolutely perfectly understood and close up that dog never lets you push a button they are always like I got this I'm gonna respond I'm gonna when you get that now that you can start moving out and working on more you know other things but that this little part that I spent the last 30 minutes breaking down in ex- probably excruciatingly boring detail is super critical the collar by virtue of electricity is not cruel is not. It's not a bad thing at all. It is a tool that our current technology has given us not to punish the dog, but to um, enable us to have the kind of behavior we need close in, far out, easily. You know, we don't have to... They used to shoot dogs with with shotgun pellets, you know, to force them to go. There's all kinds of real brutal things before it. So this coming along in the right hands is a very very good thing to do it's just that people need to uh, understand it um, and not use it all the time I mean but I'll, I'll just say this so electric collar I, and this is my last thing I promise so and I've said I, I just we use it on on set here um, and maybe a fetch or a back when we get a little bit further on on all that stuff but the reason that you can solve a lot of problems with the collar without you know the punishment thing and I'll just again I'll use um let's see I'll D de- chase <clears throat> on a bird or a rabbit I don't care a D de- chase I use here to de- to teach a dog to never chase a, a bird and I have a bunch of write ups on that stuff but I use the here command. So when my dog is bold on birds, loves it, has a lot of confidence, you don't start out de-chasing them. they got to be bird crazy. And when they're that, and I have collar conditions, so the dog clearly understands the weight of, I'm calling you. And so then when they go out and they initiate their chase that they've been doing as a puppy, I call them to me on here and enforce here. I don't say no bird. I don't do anything. I just call them and enforce it and about the second or third time that i do that when a bird flies up they do nothing and then with consistency they they don't chase that's how you de chase it's that simple all because of the here all because of the here command how do you get a dog to to jump into a kennel it doesn't want to go into uh set pressure (laughs) if you tell them to kennel and they don't get in i get this with half of the new dogs i used to get they you know they'd look at my rig and go i'm not getting on that after i had done all this work then i'll go all right and i'd either i liked i preferred a healing stick i didn't want to have to put a collar on to get them loaded in and then you know i'd say kennel or whatever and they would like "Nah, that's not going to do it so i would enforce set. i'd make sure i'd hold on to a little leash or something and i'd enforce set and tell them kennel And if that didn't work, I didn't force sit way higher. You got a choice, but you can jump in or we're going to argue about sit here. And they jump in. So, so many dog problems and behavior issues and stuff like that can be solved with the use of training pressure if it's truly understood how the dog thinks. So the collar is a great thing, particularly if you can be very academic and very humane. And yet at the same time, Know that you can ask a lot out of this dog if you communicate clearly. So I hope that's helpful to people and the electric collar. So that's the one for now. Um, it's a big topic and, and I see it misused more than I see it used correctly. So, you know, I, my mission would be to get people to really understand this. And I don't care what kind of dog you have. It's the same concept. You want to create a conditioned response. And you don't want to have to use the collar Ever. So, the way you don't ever use the collar is by creating this response to you and what you say and having them believe that's what's important, not the fact they have this thing strapped around their their neck and now they have to listen. How many times I've heard, oh, a dog's one dog without the collar and I strap that on, they're just great. That's a taught thing. You taught them that. You taught them they only really have to listen to you uh, when the collar's on. And you know, you don't have to do that if you don't want to. So I hope that helps. I will, uh, I'll be back with another one. I, you know, if you guys, I love requests like that. If there's a particular topic that you would like a little bit of information on, just let me know and uh, I'd be more than happy um, to help out if I can. So that's it for now. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody, coming up. And I will be back next week.